you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Cheryl when she was choosing the songs today the only thing I communicated with her about was where I was going when I ended but it just so happens that today I'm going to be talking to you about praise so this praise team was in the Holy Ghost I'm grateful for it amen it's good to be in the house of the Lord so glad that all of you are here welcome to all of our guests if you'll notice I had A group of our uh, ladies went ahead and decorated the back for next Easter Sunday. If you have a child, a grandchild that is in um, our kids' life department, whether or not you know it, there is a contest that is going in each one of the classes. And the student in each of the classes that brings the most number of guests on Easter Sunday is going to win a prize. How many of you kids want to win that prize? Ooh, I see some hands. In the, oh, I see a big kid's hands right there. Brother Chuck, if you fill that role, we'll get you a prize too. How's that? <laughs> but I believe it's going to be a great day in the Holy Ghost next Sunday. But I believe it's going to be a great night in the Holy Ghost tonight. Because I know that the word of the Lord that has come to me was directly from him. And so if you will promise me tonight that you will get behind the word of God, I promise you I'll be as quick as it takes for you to get it. Does that work? We got an agreement? Don't make me say everybody raise your right hand and repeat after me. Dear Sister Jordan, I do promise. But the Lord has something in store. He has a plan for this service tonight. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the 26th chapter, and we're going to begin with verse number 6. Matthew 26, beginning at verse number 6. When you have it, say amen. If you're reading it on the screen behind me, say amen too. 
<laughs> All right. And the word of the Lord says, now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he set it meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation. Somebody said they didn't like her praise. Saying, to what purpose is this waste? I don't know about you, but in my book, praise is never a waste. Never is it a waste. For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in this she hath poured this ointment on my body. She did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for a memorial for her. And tonight I'm going to come to you from this subject, unnamed praise. Unnamed praise. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands right now and ask the Lord to anoint his word to use what he has given me for his glory in the name of Jesus. God, we come to you tonight humbling ourselves before you, God. Vessels that are willing to be poured out, God, surrendered to you. God, I pray that you would anoint your word. I pray that you would use me, anoint my lips of clay. God, help me to deliver the word that you've given. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to receive from you. God, you said that your word would never go out void, and we are anticipating that you are going to do a work through your word tonight, and we're going to praise you in advance for what you are going to do. In the name of Jesus, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. In the summer of 2005, uh, our boys would have been pretty young. Dylan would have been about six or seven years old at that time. Our family was out at um, Fortville, Indiana, at the Indiana District Campgrounds, and we were there for family camp. On this particular day, it was getting really close to lunchtime, and the Bible class was going on in the sanctuary. I don't remember who it was that was preaching that year, and to be honest with you, I don't think that it made a difference to Dylan, because it was lunchtime, and Dylan was hungry, and he was looking for his dad because he was ready to eat. In his search for my husband, Dylan was uh, in a hurry, and he was on a mission headed to the sanctuary, to the tabernacle, to see if he could locate his dad. One of the elders that used to be in the Indiana district, my boys had known for many years after being at Calvary Tabernacle, Brother O.C. Marler and his wife Joan, they were there that day and they were standing outside of the tabernacle waiting for the Bible class to be over when they looked up and they saw Dylan headed to the tabernacle on a mission. 
But you got to understand, brother and sister Marler, they, their humor was crazy. They were so much fun. And they were always so entertained by my husband. or by not, Well, they were entertained by my husband, too. <laughs> but they were actually entertained by my boys. And Brother Marler would do his best to get my boys going and trying to get them to say anything that he could possibly get them to say. I, I don't know anybody like that. Uh, well, maybe I'm a little bit that way with your kids. But So anyway, they looked up and they saw Dylan headed towards the tabernacle on a mission. And so Brother and Sister Marler wanting to, to talk to him, Brother Marler calls out and he says, hey, Hey, you, you, Jordan boy. Hey, Jordan boy. And the story goes that Dylan stopped and he turned around and he put a big smile on his face and looked at him and waved. And Brother Marler said, yeah, yeah, you. Hey, Jordan boy, Jordan boy. Come here, Jordan boy. Well, Sister Marler, who was telling us the story, said that Dylan come bouncing over there with his great big infectious smile, really happy to see him, and said he came over and he stood there and he looked up at Brother Marler, but then Brother Marler, Marler made a huge mistake. When he looked down at Dylan, he said, now, now, which Jordan boy are you? Are you Spencer or are you Dylan? And the story goes that Dylan was looking at him with a big smile, and all of a sudden, he looked at him, and the smile disappeared off of his face, and he had a look of disgust on his face that Brother Marler didn't know who he was. And Sister Marler said that Dylan kind of cocked his head to the side, and with this thing that we call the Jordan smirk, looked up at Brother Dylan and or looked up at Brother Marler and said, you don't even know my name. And Brother Marler's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Seriously, which one are you? Are you Spencer or are you Dylan? And they said that Dylan looked at him and turned on a dime and headed straight towards the tabernacle. All the while, Brother Marler saying, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Which Jordan boy are you? Are you Dylan or are you Spencer? They said he made it all the way to the tabernacle and he reached up and he opened the door. And in one swipe, he looked back at Brother Marler and said, you still don't know my name and walked inside and refused to tell him who he was. All of us want our names to be known. We want to be recognized by the people around us. We want people to know our names. It's, it's a, almost a sense of accomplishment if everybody knows who we are. It's, it's like we have arrived. I could stand here today and I could call the names of athletes and actors and singers and musicians and uh, we may not agree with everything about them, but just the mention of their name, and every one of us would know who they were. It's a compliment to recognize a name. It's a sign of, a su of success. It's a sign of honor. But all throughout the scripture, we read accounts of people whose works of praise were written about, yet their names will never be known to man. There was the widow who had the endless 
supply of oil. Or the Canaanite woman with great faith who pursued Jesus on her daughter's behalf. There was the poor widow woman who gave all that she had in the temple, but you don't know what her name was. There was the leper who turned back to worship Jesus and was made whole, yet his name was never mentioned. There was the boy who gave his five loaves and his two fish to feed the 5,000. And there was the Samaritan woman at the well who led an entire city to Jesus, but you don't know her name. Their acts of praise were deemed as great examples to us. Their acts of praise were written in the Holy Scripture, yet their names will never be known of men. The stories were deemed so vital to believers, yet the writers didn't deem it uh, necessary to record their names. In our text, we find Jesus in the town of Bethany at a feast that had been prepared for him. When we see that a woman enters bringing an alabaster box of precious oil and she breaks it at his feet, this was a costly gift. Uh, they say that, that the oil that was in that alabaster box would have been the equivalent of a year's wages for this woman. I find it interesting that each of the writers of the Gospels depict the story from their individual perspectives, but they're all various details, and some of them don't even seem to match up. But drawing the parallels between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get the general idea that Jesus was at the house of Simon the leper and that Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, and his sisters Mary and Martha were present. In our text, we find Jesus sitting in the house, eating at the table, when the woman enters with the alabaster box. While John records that this woman was Mary, the sister of Lazarus, Matthew and Mark refer simply to her as a woman, while Luke says that this woman was a sinner. I don't know what it was that this woman did that made Luke call her a sinner, but I do know that her history had to have been bad enough that even Simon questioned the woman that was at the feet of Jesus and why that she had a right to even touch him. What we do know about this woman is that she brought her most valuable possession as an offering of praise to the Lord. It wasn't an offering that she intended to retract, but the Bible says that she took that offering and she broke it not able to be repaired. I can only imagine what it had to have looked like that day as she brought that alabaster box and in her tears she broke it and she anointed him with that precious oil. As uh, it was against the custom that day, the Bible says that she even let down her hair and she began to wash his feet with her tears. It had to have been humiliating. It had to have been that she was broken 
and that she was in submission as she poured her praise on the feet of Jesus. Her sincere praise was inappropriate for that day. Her display of praise was despised by those who arrogantly looked on. They didn't understand her praise. They must have thought that her praise was overly dramatic. They must have even thought that her praise was unnecessary. She was mocked that day for her praise. She was degraded to her face for that praise. They even talked against her in her presence. She had to have been a follower of Jesus because she knew exactly where to find him. She had to have been a believer. She had to have been close enough to have heard Jesus telling his followers what was about to happen to him. She must have heard him saying that I will be lifted up on a cross and that my life will be taken. But she wasn't considered significant enough for his disciples to not only accept her praise, but she was so insignificant to them that they didn't even know her name. The critics in the room were appalled by her praise. They turned their nose up at her praise. It was unorthodox to them. Didn't she know, they must have thought, that her praise didn't look like everybody else's praise? Didn't she realize that that is not the custom of praise that we do? They thought that her praise was a waste. They saw the value in the alabaster, but they didn't see the value in the master that was sitting in the seat. Sometimes it would do us good to remember the value of the master. It would do us good to remember, stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. You need to remember where he brought you from. You need to remember what he saved you from. You need to remember the day that he filled you with the Holy Ghost. You need to remember when he put your marriage back together. Come on, somebody. You need to remember who the master is. They were appalled. They thought that she was making a spectacle. Maybe they thought that she just wanted the limelight and wanted everybody to see her praise. The disciples were too worried about the legalities of her praise. Didn't she know it wasn't the right time? Didn't she know it wasn't the right place? She was out of line in her mind. Her hair on his feet it's undignified. It's socially not acceptable. Her praise was a disgrace in their eyes. This woman was breaking all of the customs of that day with her praise. Doesn't she know that it's supposed to be three worship songs and prayer and offering and preaching and a patty cake altar service? Who does she think she is stepping out in praise? What are you thinking? 
working being laid out in his at his feet? Shouldn't you be following the crowd? Shouldn't you be praising like everybody else? Shouldn't you be trying to fit in with everybody else? Who are you to step out and praise while the rest of the crowd sits by? But there was something deep inside of her that she could not keep inside any longer. There was a praise that was burning deep in her that said, you don't understand why I'm praising him the way I'm praising him. You want to eat with him. You want to sit at the table with him. You want the accolades of being known around him. Just a little talk with Jesus might be all right for you, but you don't know what he's done for me. You don't know the cost of that oil in that alabaster box. I can't contain it anymore. I can't hold my peace anymore. What's on the inside had to come out on the outside. I'm telling you that there are times when praise rises up in me, and there may be some of you that look at me and think you are mightily undignified. But let me tell you, you weren't there in that hospital room. You weren't there when that report came. You weren't there when he turned my morning into dancing. You weren't there last week when my oncologist said, you passed the three-year mark. You weren't there when the oncologist said, I'm confident you'll never have to deal with this again. You don't know why I praise him. But it's on the inside, and it's got to come out. Give the Lord some praise in this house. She had to look at them and think, you see the man, Christ Jesus, but I, I see my Redeemer. You're worried about the bread on the table, but he is my bread of life. Do you want uh, to know that he will always be my amazing grace? And amazing grace will always be my song of praise. He's the lover of my soul. He's the lifter of my head. Come on, somebody. He brought me out of the miry clay. He gave me a new name, and it's written down in glory. So excuse me while I praise him. You may not understand. You might not know my name, but you might as well just get out of my way because I'm going to praise him. I'm going to sing, I'm going to dance, I'm going to shout. He's been too good to me. Somebody needs to let loose a shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. We need to praise him with all that we have. You see, praise isn't an event. Praise is not what we do Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Praise isn't just what we do during the awakening or at special events and conferences. But praise, praise is a lifestyle. It is just who we are. It's what we do. It's how we live. 
My praise may look undignified, but I won't offer him something that costs me nothing. He's worthy of my praise. Come on, child of God. Let's offer this sacrifice of praise to God continually. That's what the word says. Let me tell you something about sacrifice. A sacrifice is a death rite. There was never one animal that ever, uh, that ever survived sacrifice. It was commitment. There was no coming back from sacrifice. It was a long-term commitment. They didn't decide to offer a sacrifice of praise one day and then change their mind the next day. They were committed to this thing. Some of us need to stop putting our life and sacrificing it at the altar and the next day turning around and picking it up and carrying it out with us. We need to be committed to this thing. It needs to be a lifestyle. It doesn't matter what the sacrifice was designated for. The sacrifice was always praise unto God. You see, praise was a fanfare in the word of God. It's in the word you can look. They waved palm branches. They took seven steps and then they danced before the Lord. They shook tambourines. They cried out with a loud voice. In the Old Testament, priests blew trumpets during sacrifice. There was an orchestra and a choir with trained and skilled musicians that played at the time of offering and sacrifice in the temple. Smoke ascended with the sacrifice, but so did sound, and so did breath, and so did praise. Those also ascended from the mouths of those who praised. Don't tell me that you can pray silently. You can't pray silently. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. When there's a praise on the inside, it's going to come out. And those around you are going to see it. Songs of praise were offered up continually. No wonder David declared, sing unto the Lord a new song. He also said, let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day long. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You won't find the names of the choir members in the tabernacle in the Bible. You won't know the name of the drummer or the harp player or the organ player or the one who sounded the cymbal. But what we do know is that there was a sound of praise continually from unknown praisers. Your name might not be known, but there needs to be a sound of praise continually coming from you. Come on, somebody needs to let us sustain praise rise up in this place. Somebody needs to praise him for his grace. Somebody needs to praise him for his mercy. Somebody needs to praise him for his healing. Somebody needs to praise him because he brought you out. He set your feet on a rock. He's worthy of the praise.
2017, the North American Youth Congress was being held in Indianapolis, Indiana. And to that date, that was the largest NAYC that there had ever been. I believe there was somewhere near 34,000 uh, apostolics that were gathered at that NAYC. You would have had to have been there to understand it. If you weren't there, you missed it. I hope you're going this year. But you would have had to have been there and to understand the fullness of what transpired in the spirit at that NAYC. Praise was powerful in that place. They had come to NAYC determined to praise. And it echoed out of Lucas Oil Stadium. I remember hearing reports of people that were just walking by as service was going on. And the roof of Lucas Oil was, was even closed, but they could hear a sound outside. And I remember them saying that, that different ones would walk outside and there would be a few people and they'd be like, well, what is that noise? What is going on in that place? There was a video that surfaced of an elderly couple praising God on an upper level of that stadium. Their praise was inspiring, to say the least. The, vi the video began to spread like wildfire, and people began to ask, who is this man? What is his name? The man and his wife stood at the upper railing. The man was bent over and had a walker that stood in front of him. But the video shows as he reached and he held on to the rail of that upper level. And his wife held on to his arm. And together they danced before the Lord and they shouted and they praised the Lord. I remember sharing that video with the caption, what is our excuse? Because I'm telling you, a lot of us can make some really good excuses. But I want to remind you, excuses are only good for the people that make them. And when we stand before the Lord, those excuses will never stand up. We will answer why we didn't give him praise and why we didn't give him all that we had. Within no time of sharing that video, I received a message, a text message from my cousin, Rich Price, who pastors in BB, Arkansas, saying, Annette, the man in that video is Jack Causey, and he goes to my church. The video was so convicting that I had to know that man's story. Inquiring minds wanted to know. So I called my cousin, and I'm like, you've got to tell me about this man. Because what we were seeing on that video was an elderly co a couple at a conference with over 30,000 young people praising God. But there was so much more to that story than what met the eye. You see, brother and sister Kazi had, had attended the NAYC two years prior and were so moved by the worship of apostolic young people that they said that they had to go and, and be there again. But between 2015 and 2017, Brother Kazi had to have one of his legs amputated because of an infection that had settled in in his body. He was there praising God on a prosthetic leg. He asked his pastor, he said, I, I want to go so badly, but I'm afraid that, that I won't be able to walk in, and I, I'm afraid that, 
that I won't be able to make it, but there's something so deep inside of me, I want to be there. Do you think that it would be possible to get handicap accessible uh, parking and hotel and, and things like that so my wife and I could go? My, my cousin said that, that he said, absolutely, Brother Cosby, we'll, we'll make all of the phone calls necessary and we will do our best. And, and so they called the hotel and, and, and uh, arranged for a room and arranged for parking. And, but when he got there, he discovered that there was no handicap room and there was no handicap parking for him and it wasn't easily accessible for him. And his words were that nothing was coming easy about being there. Some of us want it to be easy. And if it doesn't come easy to us, we would just as soon get in the car and turn around and go home. But when we're determined to praise God, nothing will stand in our way. We'll push through anything that we have to. So Rich said that uh, they had worked and they had gotten floor tickets, but Brother Causey was fearful that he wouldn't be able to take the steps and, and be able to make it down. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, put me on the floor in the mosh pit where the praise is happening. Man, I want to be up front in the altar area. I don't care if it's sweaty and smelly up there with all of those kids. That's exactly where I want to be. And so their church wanted to be there as well, but Brother Causey was fearful that he couldn't get there. So they, they, they found parking, and, and he worked his way in, walking on a walker, and they walked in, and they found a spot on the upper level of the concourse. And there were a couple of young people that had tickets, and Brother Causey said, is there any possibility that you would be willing to trade me these upper-level upper concourse tickets for floor seats? As you can imagine, those young people were like, are you kidding me? Floor seats? And so they very willingly traded him. And so brother and sister Kazi sat there on that upper level, and the service was eruptive with praise that night. And both brother and sister Kazi began to dance and began to praise the Lord. There was uh, one of our ministers that was sitting nearby that saw them praising, and he was so captivated by their praise that he took a video of their worship and posted it. And that video has been viewed over one million times of a man and a woman whose names were not even known. Sitting in front of them was a group of young people from Alexandria, Louisiana. And they said that they, they couldn't even get their mind focused on what was happening in the service because they were so taken by watching brother and sister Kazi pray. One of the young men was so moved and the Lord began to speak to him and gave Brother Kazi a, a word of prophecy. He said, because of your worship, God is going to use you to bless many. I had the privilege of speaking to Brother Kazi by phone this past Thursday night because I wanted to make sure that I had the whole story. And he was able to elaborate on his testimony. You see, Brother Kazi is 70 years old. He's not a spring chicken. He wasn't raised in the church, and neither was his wife. 
he and his wife had been serving the Lord for 48 years now. They were never able to have children, and they were never able to fulfill the word of God that said, train up a child in the way that they should go. But an unnamed man praising God on a prosthetic leg set the precedence for thousands of young people and adults on what a sacrifice of praise really looks like. Brother Kazi told me on Thursday, if church is going to be quiet, don't invite me. He said, if it's going to be quiet, I don't even want to be there. But if I'm there, you're going to hear me, and you're going to see me, and I am going to be worshiping the Lord. He said, they were asking what my name was. I didn't even want people to know my name. I wasn't looking for accolades. I'm not looking to lift me up. I'm looking to lift Jesus up through my praise. He said, do you want to know my testimony? Do you want to know why I worship the way that I worship? He said in 1983, I was diagnosed with malignant lymphatic cancer. He said my body was full of tumors from my neck all the way down to my feet. He said it was so bad that the doctor said, you need to just go ahead and pick out your casket. There is no hope. But he said, I am 40 years cancer-free, and I'm going to praise God for what he's done for me. Causey right there. Look at that praise. That's a prosthetic leg. What's wrong with our legs? Why are we praising? to tell me, he said, you know that song they were singing? He said, I didn't know that song. I had never heard that song until that night. He said, I couldn't even understand all of the words that were being said. He said, but there was one phrase that stood out to me, and that phrase said, Satan is under my feet. And so, taking that song of praise to heart, he began to dance, and he began to put Satan under his feet. It just so happens that it was Brother Court Chavis singing the song that night, and the lyrics sound something like this. My dance will crush Satan under my feet, and I declare I've got victory. Shots. 
got nothing else to say. But I'm saying this last thing to you. There may be somebody in this place that's going through it. You may not understand the season that God has you in. Praise may be exhausting to you. It may be a sacrifice. But somebody needs to declare tonight, I'm going to put him under my feet. I'm going to worship. I'm going to give him praise. Someone declare, it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to let my praise put him under my feet. Come on, someone declare it tonight. My tent will cross Satan under my feet, and I declare, and I got victory. And my tent will cross Satan under my feet, and I declare, and I got victory. Now there may be somebody that's thinking, well, she. She brought that message because she's trying to get a rise out of us. And she's trying to get praise out of us. You're right. That's exactly what I'm doing. Because somebody needs to change their garments. Somebody needs to lay down the garment of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. Someone needs to declare that I'm turning my mourning into dancing. Let me tell you something. When you begin to dance and you begin to worship, if you're waiting for the Lord to reach down and put his hand on top of your head and shake you just a little bit, it's not going to happen. If you're waiting for him to come and pick up your leg and put your leg down and pick up the other one and put it down, it's not going to happen. We offer a sacrifice of praise. We worship. We dance. We shout, we declare that we're set free. We declare victory. Somebody dance before the Lord. Give him a shout of praise. Dance, dance, for crusader under my feet. I declare, I got
Satan, under 